Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? I'm Josh Lee Kwai. And today we have uh, something very special to start off the episode. Very special. Yeah, I'm super excited. Our first preview card. Ever. And hopefully not the last. Um, So Wizards has kindly graced us with a uh, preview card for Commander 2014, which comes out um, from the day... It'll come out this Friday, because this episode is going to be on Tuesday. I'm not sure how we should do this. Um, it's our first one. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel like we should have like a, a curtain and we should whip it off or back real quick to reveal it. But that doesn't work in audio, so I don't know how you reveal something in audio. Um, imagine there's a cape and uh, like a, a wonderful magician. We're gonna whip it off uh, the card itself. Oh, and, we're doing uh, theater of the mind now. Yeah, I like this. I like this. Keep going. <laughs> and if you're watching the video, it's just gonna crossfade in. So. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, do something cool when this card reveals. Yeah, have it like flip around a few times. Who knows? Um, So I guess I'll read the card then. Uh, All right. Well, yes, it it is a red card, and you are Jimmy the Red. That's Uh, right. No wonder they gave us this card to spoil. No wonder. Uh, The card is, drum roll, Impact Resonance. It is a rare instant for one in a red. And it says, Impact Resonance deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures where X is the greatest amount of damage dealt by a source to a permanent or player this turn. Ooh, that's a wow. mouthful. That is a mouthful. I mean, the way it works is like, however much damage something has done to something else, this does that much damage to a bunch of creatures, however many creatures you want. Yep. It's, it doesn't deal that much damage to each creature. It's like... Let's say, uh, I don't know, let's say somebody swung with one of their creatures and hit somebody else for 14 damage. Then you would be able to take that 14 damage and split it up how you want among any amount of creatures. So you'd still only do 14 damage total, though. Yep, yep. Uh, And this is definitely highly dependent on X, of course. So this isn't going to be great in every game of Commander that you play, but I think it's very situational. But when it does land, it essentially can do a very selective board wipe, depending on how much damage has been dealt. Yeah, I think, you know, depending on your deck or the decks in your meta, like, this could be good. And it's like you said, it could be a one-sided board wipe type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Damage-based stuff is generally not as powerful in Commander. So I think this is sort of... Uh, I don't know if I'm going to use it a lot in like, it's definitely not like every deck that has red in it is going to put this in it. Yeah, definitely. Um, And because it's dealt by a source to a permanent or player, so it means that it's not like, for instance, if you have 50 goblins out and they all swing for one and you do 50 damage, Impact Resonance only gets to do uh, one damage for each goblin. It doesn't get to do 50 total. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. So it has to be like one source doing one large amount of damage, a bunch of little sources doing like a, a you know a, a bunch of little amounts of damage that add up to a lot doesn't actually help you. Yeah, so it's definitely a little a little situational. Uh, Josh mentioned before we started recording that if your creature is indestructible, this doesn't do much to it. Yeah, which is pretty it's pretty common in EDH. I mean, people usually want to suit up their stuff. So the stuff that you really want to kill is usually like. It does target too, so it's usually hexproof, or mm-hmm. it's indestructible, or it has some sort of recursion, like it's got persist or something. Like damage-based stuff is just less powerful in general in EDH. If this thing did damage to players or creatures, or and or creatures and players, then I would say it would be a lot better. Yeah, it's definitely a must-run if it was like that. In this case, though, I think it's, 
I don't know. Thinking back on Commander games, I can see plenty of times when one or two like really impactful, to use the same word, creatures are on the board, and you really don't have any way of getting rid of them, or you don't have spot removal in your hand. Or let's say you just have a card that can only do a one-for-one, one and you'd rather get rid of multiple things. Impact Resonance, I think, can have a little bit more of an impact in that case because you know let's say nice there's one. nice one yeah thanks thanks like there's <laughs> a royal assassin on the board and a couple of other you know one of those creatures that you know if you do something you're afraid of it because it's going to destroy your creature or whatever impact resonance can have an effect where it gets rid of a lot of people's utility creatures for instance yeah that's a good point i think uh you know it's it's probably better than running just a one-off uh kill target creature Mm -hmm. that usually feels bad to sort of one for one because it's in multiplayer we've talked about this a lot if you kill use one card to kill one thing of somebody else but the other two players didn't lose anything and they didn't spend any cards then you're down card advantage to the to the table yeah so so this card has the ability to kill three four five things so that that is pretty good upside so i would put it in to my deck over something like a terror probably yeah um yeah because just the ability to just kill four or five things is good. I also think like it's going to be way better in a deck that's built to deal like large chunks of damage, like a Voltron type deck, mm-hmm. like like a you know something where you're going to like create one big thing and smash people for a bunch of damage all at once. Then yeah. this card this card gets a lot better because you know you don't want to be relying on your opponent's decks to give you this effect. You know, the, a single large chunk of damage. You right. want your deck to be built that way. So. Yeah, the fact that this does have uh, instant ability is nice um, because you could also, I mean, you could cast it on someone else's turn if they have something that just comes out of nowhere, but Josh is right. You don't really want to rely on someone else necessarily. I mean, I feel like this card is definitely built around me in a small way where you want to be able to use the effect at uh, sort of for the maximum effect, Um, and having it being instant speed is nice. Because um, I can imagine a situation where, let's say, you do swinging with your Voltron Commander and it's um, Rafik or something. Uh, you couldn't obviously play Impact Resonance in a Rafik deck, but you do something like 25, 26 damage. Uh, but the guy's just like, all right, I chump block with my 1 1. Uh, then you can cast Impact Resonance and then you can reassign t- all those points of damage to all their other eligible chump blockers or whatever else, or even to someone else's board. So. It, it does have a nice way of getting around chump blocking, but the, the big thing at the end of the day is it doesn't do it to a player. Yeah. that I think Rafik's actually a really interesting example because it does work. I mean, Rafik would have double strike because he gives himself double strike, mm-hmm. but it says it says the greatest amount of damage dealt by a source to a permanent or player this turn. So if the source dealt damage twice, it would still count all of the damage done by that source this turn. So, right. Uh, so Rafik's a, a good choice. Yeah. I, I Again, I'm sort of... I, the more I look at it, the more it's growing on me as sort of a replacement for just a single target spot removal spell. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you might as well have the upside of like, oh, well, sometimes I can kill four creatures. Right, right. So... Yeah. You know what I think this would be fun in? Your five-color pinger deck. Because one of your <laughs> one-pinger guys, if you can get him to... Or like your... your uh, uh, anything that can sort of re-ping. And if you can go... I, not infinite, but like I can untap this guy 50 times to do 50 damage to you or whatever. You can That's use true. impact resonance and reassign 50 damage or just assign again 50 damage divided amongst any target number of target creatures. Well, you know, you know, ironically, what this card would be really good against is my pinger deck. Because yeah. pingers, are, pingers are usually one ones. So you might be able to just go like, oh, somebody just hit you for seven. I'm just going to do seven damage divided seven ways to your seven pingers and kill them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could see this being fun with a goblin sharpshooter and a sack outlet kind of thing, you know, where you're able to use the sharpshooter a bunch of times. And oh, then yeah. You get a little extra bit on top. Um, well, then, plus, if you if you sort of mow down a bunch of their creatures with impact resonance, that's going to untap the sharpshooter a bunch of times so you can do even more damage. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, so that's a pretty cool interaction. I, I see some I see some uses for it. I think... You know, it's a little bit limited, but it's definitely a cool card. Um, it's definitely something that's pretty unique. Yeah, and I'm excited too because this is one of a bunch of cards in the uh, red commander deck, and I like where this is going. Yeah, I, I mean, the, we've seen a lot of spoilers uh, so far, and, um, you know, we're not going to talk about all the spoilers now. We're going to wait until uh, the next episode to, to talk about that stuff. Um, but there's some awesome... I mean, oh, yeah. Just, there's some crazy stuff that's that's gonna change 
a lot of decks that I have, I know, and probably most people have. Yeah, and uh, we're definitely going to talk about all of those in our next episode, not this one. So you guys can expect that for the uh, the week after the uh, Commander decks release. But yeah, they're all monocolored. There's like a green Yokel Hops now. It's insane. There's just so many... I believe Wizards said they oh, wanted that green Commander... Yokel Hops. Yeah. Uh, ah, that card. Yeah. It feels like another Blood Moon. Kill Wave me. of Vitriol or something. But uh, it, I think Wizards said they wanted to be wanted Commander 2014 to kind of be the time spiral of a Commander set. Oh, interesting. So I'm super excited. Everything I've seen so far has just me almost in fear knowing that our meta is going to change drastically because all of these new cards create so many more interesting dynamics. It's sort of like when we saw Conspiracy Spoilers for the first time. It was like, oh, wow, I can't wait to draft this. I can't wait to play this, seeing what's, what's coming up. Right, yeah, exactly. Very cool. Yeah, so I look forward to Impact Resonance. I look forward to potentially also seeing if there's a card in that red deck that uh, resonates. Ooh impactfully <laughs> with this card uh, turning into lsv over here uh so yeah we've got a lot to look forward to very cool very cool okay do you want to go on to our main topic yeah so today's main topic we got a good one is called deck tech daydreams daydreams i've been daydreaming about decks for i don't know a couple of weeks now different yeah. ones you know that i may want to Start building? Or, Did it come uh, to you in a flash building? of brilliance? Where you're like, I, I don't know if it's it. brilliance. <laughs> Could be a flash of craziness. Yeah, that sounds about right for your decks that you build at least. <laughs> um, so Deck Tech Daydreams, the very clever name uh, conjured up by Josh, uh, are basically decks that we want to build or have ideas of brewing and haven't actually made yet. So these aren't fully fleshed out ideas, but we're sort of brainstorming them. And you know, if you guys have obviously comments or cards that you think would fit perfectly into this deck, we encourage you to let us know as well. Yeah, this is kind of like part uh, part of the process of brewing a deck. You know, a fun thing to do is sit around with your friends, talk about like, well, I have this idea, and and here's sort of the out, rough outline of how it would go. And then yeah. you know, it's amazing how often your friends are like, did you think about this card? Did you think about this card? What if somebody does this? And all of a sudden, you get like a much clearer picture of you know how you should build the deck because it's just hard for one person to keep like every card in magic's history in their head all the time so it's it's you yeah. know really helpful to have other people that just sort of throw things out at you yeah so. and the cool thing about magic is there are so many random little cards that like professional players would just not know about because it was never used in the format or whatever when it came yeah, exactly. out so but fit perfectly into the deck that you want to build um, and this follows up nicely because someone asked us last week, uh, how do you go about building a deck or starting a deck? Is that from the commander or not? And I think we can address that with each of our uh, two ideas that we brought to the table today. Yeah, I, I think that's where the idea originally came from. Is like when we did that Reddit thread uh, for the contest and people were asking questions of us and a lot of question, a lot of people asked the same question, which was sort of like, how do you begin to mm-hmm. sort of build a deck? Where does the idea come from? You know, where does your inspiration come from? That question came out a lot and it sort of, you know, naturally got us thinking about that, got me thinking about it. Then I was thinking about building decks and I was like, well, this will be cool deck. And then here we are. Here we are. So So do you want to start? Yeah, let's get into it. So uh, I've got the influence to build a mono colored deck, not, not just because I have a mono red deck and it's a lot of fun, but uh, after this last weekend, two mono red decks made it in standard to the top eight. Jimmy, were you jealous? I was jealous. I was like, dang, I should have thought of that. Did you feel ashamed because you're Jimmy the Red <laughs> that I didn't play a single color of my favorite color? Yeah, and you're playing Obzon. <laughs> yeah, which is black, white, green. Yeah, I mean, we might have to change your nickname now. Yeah, I think the problem was I went, I chose a rhino over a goblin, and I think the that's goblin... just a problem at a very basic <laughs> level. Like the core of your being has yeah. to be like. It had to have shaken you. I think that's why the gods, uh, like, they struck me down with a lightning bolt. (laughs) The gods. And were like, you are going to go 0-3, 0-4, because you aren't paying homage to your true colors. Um, And here I am again, not paying homage to it. Uh, So the We already have a mono-red EDH deck. I mean, I don't think the gods, (laughs) quote-unquote, would expect you to build a second second mono-red. Jimmy, this is God. Oh, my. Hang on. What, what the up? hell are you doing? <laughs> no. You're not called Jimmy the White. No. You're not even white. You're Asian. I'm not even white. I'm. I, it's so true. And I, I have aspirations of being Gandalf the White. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Uh, so the this I, th- this deck is uh, also because the mono-colored commanders are coming out. So I think this could be a really fun sort of preamble to that potentially. Um, I have no idea what they're going to theme the white deck to be when it comes out. 
uh, whenever it does come out. I'm very excited for that. Uh, but in this case, I wanted to make a soldier token deck. Mm-hmm. So this sort of fills two uh, slots in my head. One, I wanted to make um, a, a tribal deck, and I also wanted to make a token deck. So this sort of fit the bill. I think mono white would be really fun. Usually tokens are like green and black or green, red. white, and red. Yeah, so... White's uh, a really good token color, though. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of vigilance. There's a lot of, uh, a lot plus of anthem one. effects. Anthem too. effects, yeah. yeah. So I figured this would be a really fun sort of deck to build and sort of just mess around with. Um, and the commander I chose, uh, who knows if it'll change. Who knows if it'll change. That's the official uh, preamble to preambles. Is Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite. Um, he is. You, you are a bad person. I'm a bad person if I ever get to casting him because <laughs> he's expensive. Is it a him? It's a thing. Maybe it's a she. Elish Norn has the coolest headpiece yeah. in the history of headpieces. <laughs> I would love to see this be a Halloween costume. How does it, he, she, see? I don't think There's she... There's probably some lore person out there. I think she uses like her I sense of smell. Like, I bet that A.M. Marlin guy or um, James Bianca is yeah, like, they it's could a he, duh, or, what, or the opposite. I have no idea if it's a he or she, but that headpiece is awesome. Yeah, it is a really sweet... And there's also great art for it on uh, Route... Uh, oh yeah, route. route is sick. Yeah, we need to add that artwork to our, um, our the the scrolling backgrounds. Yeah, well, you'll I see it right will. now I in the video. By the way, you can watch video of this podcast if you haven't. Uh, go to rocketjump.com. It's all there. Yeah, Eli put up the route picture. It's amazing. And go ahead and leave my audio saying that. <laughs> Thanks, Eli. Grand, uh, if you're if Elish Norn is a grand Cenobite, you're the grand editor. So uh, Elish Norn <laughs> is a nice. five and two white. So it's seven total for a four seven legendary creature Praetor, part of a cycle. Uh, he, she has vigilance. Other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. What? Yeah. So I like. I this love because... how it has vigilance. We talked about this before, yeah. but it's like, hmm, this card needs something. I mean, <laughs> just doesn't seem that powerful. Yeah, I know, right? Double anthem effects that affects the entire board. Yeah, all your creatures enough. are plus two, plus two, and all your opponent's creatures yeah. are minus two, minus two. So right off the bat, this commander, when it comes into play, just hoses half the battlefield usually. If somebody else is playing a token deck, they're just done. They're done, yeah, exactly, which I think is amazing um, because Elish Norn both creates your, makes your tokens way bigger and also just hoses everyone else at the exact same time. Um, I, the, only, the only issue I have with Elish Norn is that he, she, it is a lot of mana. Yeah, seven mana is a seven lot. Mana is and tough, white yeah. uh, doesn't have a lot of ramp. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going to have to go to your artifacts for ramp. We've talked about that before, so I won't dwell on it. But Yeah, yeah. So some of the uh, the feature cards here are... Uh, the first one uh, is from actually got reprinted in from the Vault Annihilation, which is Marshall Koo. Um, it's a X white white. It's a sorcery. You can put X one one white soldier creatures token to play, and if X is five or more, destroy all other creatures. That card is crazy because... Five or more. So you can do pay white, white, and 10, yeah. make 10 one ones and kill everybody else's stuff. Yeah. And yeah. and then the, you put Elish Norn out next turn and you have 10 th- three threes. Yeah. Pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah. I think it's also just a great, like, it does exactly what your deck wants to do, which is make tokens while keeping the rest of the board stabilized. So you get to, it's like a win win in this case. You still, get, I mean, if like things are running out of control, Martial Coup is always a great option because it's not just a straight Wrath of God effect. You actually get some upside out of it when it when they pop off, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Um, another card I liked was a frontline medic, and they are uh, the other thing about this deck is though Elish Norn is not an easy card to get, but the rest of these cards are pretty much have been flung to the the ten They're cent twenty five cent expensive. pile. Yeah, exactly. for the most part, there's going to be a few, but yeah, it's yeah. not going to be a really spendy deck to build. Yeah, uh, frontline medic has battalion. He's a two and a white for a three three, and whenever he att- and at least two other creatures attack, creatures you control are indestructible this turn. Nice. That seems good. Yeah, it's pretty nice. You're almost always going to be attacking with at least two creatures, and I mean having indestructible is nice. You're- I mean, it's a token deck. You're probably going to be. A- Attacking with like thirty creatures. Thirty creatures, yeah. yeah, exactly. I like his second ability. Actually, yeah, me too. This is what this is why he's a, a true shining star, which is sacrifice frontline medic counter target spell with X and its mana cost unless his controller pays three. Yeah, I mean that just comes out of nowhere too because if someone just is like, all right, Genesis Hydra for all my mana, and they're like, oh, did you notice frontline medic was sitting over here? Nope, counter <laughs> countered. Nobody expects counter spell from the white player. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the last thing that someone's gonna be looking uh, from you. Um, of course, there are the archetypes of courage. Uh, in this you case, you know, I, I don't think the archetypes get enough play or talk about in EDH. Yeah, but I know they're they're great. all very strong. Yeah, um, 
Uh, yeah. In this case, they're, so they're all from uh, Born of the Gods, I believe. Yep. Uh, and it's There's one for each color. Yeah, and it's always one and then two of that color's uh, mana cost. So in this case, Archetype of Courage is one and two white. It's a two-two enchantment. It's not always one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's some right. Of some of them, them are, can be more. Like the green one, I think, is five and two green. But it's always two two of the two color, of that and color then right. a certain amount of color. Um, so it's one and two white in this case. It's a 2-2 enchantment creature, and it's creatures you control have first strike. Creatures your opponents control lose first strike and can't have or gain first strike. So that's actually pretty powerful. Especially on defense. Yeah. Like while you're setting up while you until you have 30 tokens. Mm-hmm. like It's a hard to attack a player that has first strike because usually your thing dies and you don't actually trade or anything. Yeah. So, and it's also a 2-2 creature. Especially because, like, if you have a bunch of, let's say, at this point, 2-2 or 3-3 tokens, and someone swings at you with their 10-10, they're like, oh, whatever, he's going to chump block with one. You just, like... You just stack block block, everything and be like, yeah, what do you got? First strike damage, see you later. Um, Obviously, this isn't as effective with flying stuff, but, you know, you can have flying stuff. You're in white. You're going to have flying stuff. The other thing, you're in white, you're going to have vigilance, so you're going to get first strike on both attacks and defense, which is really hard to... yeah, Yeah, it's hard to interact with that. Yeah, um, and then there is the wonderful Catapult Master, which is a card I just was like, I didn't even know this existed. Um, he's a little <laughs> expensive, but I think he's really powerful. It's three and two white uh, for a 3-3 three, three creature. Tap five untapped soldiers you control. Remove target creature from the game. Yep, so we just start exiling dudes yep. for every five soldiers that you tap. And, and you'll probably have a lot of soldiers, and you might be able to do this to two, three creatures per turn. Yeah, I mean, if you cast Martial Coup, for instance, yeah, and you cast it for well, I guess if you cast it for five, five. or more, you kill everything. <laughs> you anyway. Kill everything, but at that point, anytime someone puts Forget something else that out, example. Well, no, when someone you know someone yeah, puts yeah. something else, out, you just yeah, you'd be like, true. You speed. wipe the whole board. You make five guys, and then somebody's like, okay, I cast a new creature. You're like, okay, kill that, exile yeah. that, exile that. Yeah, um, and there, you know, I found that usually you don't come across too many hexproof creatures in the format, even though they're extremely powerful. Yeah, I mean, people put the uh, lightning greaves on their stuff or whatever, but you can, you know, that you can respond to them equipping yeah, that and then exactly yeah so uh, it's it's super powerful to be able to exile stuff just because edh is so much about recursion and mm-hmm. like reusing your stuff and so just getting it off the board entirely like not even in the graveyard is, yeah. is a good way very um, effective there's another card there's a card on here that i need to put in my token deck oh yeah yeah hour of reckoning oh yeah <laughs> it's four and three white it's a sorcery it has convoke so uh if you recall convoke means you can lower its mana cost by tapping uh any of your creatures and it'll lower the mana cost by the color of the creature or a colorless so mm-hmm. you know it's four and three white so you can tap seven white creatures and just pay for the whole thing if you want to and it says destroy all non-token creatures that's a board wipe I can get behind. I mean, it's a one-sided board wipe. We talk about these a lot. Yeah. Cyclonic rifts and stuff like that. One-sided board wipes, super powerful. Incredibly powerful. Yeah. It's the type of effect that just wins you the game. You know, against yeah. three other people, all of a sudden, I have stuff. None of you have stuff. You're all dead. Like, that. that's just how that plays out a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's just super effective, too, just to, like, throw out. And then, you know, even if you're killing a lot of your other things, like if at the end of the day, let's say you just made like 100 tokens. Yeah. And then you do this and like, oh, no, all my guys that give Anthem effects are dead except for my enchantments. You still probably have like 100 tutus and you can just go all out. Well, plus the fact that it has convoke. So if you yeah. make 20 tokens and you convoke this out, you probably still have mana to then play Elish Norn, let's right, say. Right. Give all your guys plus two, plus two. And then attack everybody. Yeah, you know you can you can sequence it so that this have effect occurs, and then you play your general, and then you attack with the rest of the dudes that you didn't tap to cast it. Yeah, uh, I think the convoke part of it really puts it into the like crazy broken area. Yeah, it's, yeah, you can save a lot. You can make a very efficient play with this, especially because you're making. Essentially, the more convoke cards you can put in this deck, the better in general, because you get. You know, like Obelisk of Earth is an auto include yeah. because you can Obelisk just play that awesome. oftentimes just for free and then yep. have all this other mana to keep doing what you're wanting and make your turns. You know, let's say you have 12 creatures out, that's 12 extra mana if you have Convoke cards in your hand. And that's going to probably be more efficient than anyone else's turn. I think one of the issues, and Mono White just has this issue, is going to be like card draw. Mm-hmm. You know, White just doesn't have a lot of it. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to use, like, Mind's Eye and some artifact-based card draw, which yeah, is fine. Yeah, definitely going to be heavy on artifacts. You're going to need to stack uh, as much card draw as you can find from artifacts uh, in there because it's just hard. I mean, you can have stuff like Land Tax, mm-hmm. and there's some 
some things, some other similar type effects that that white has, and that's sort of give you some ramp and some card draw. But that's the real thing that this deck's gonna run into. The the big thing a deck like this could have going forward, and white's just notorious for being like fast out of the gate. Yeah. So it can be very much so. Yeah. So it can be one of those decks that's good in in sort of smaller games. You know, one v one or 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 three player games. Yeah, I could definitely see this deck having a lot of trouble with the more people that are on the game. Um, but I mean, the idea is to overrun someone before they're able. You know, locate the person that wants to take you out, destroy them, and then hopefully have enough juice to keep going. I think it does have the ability to kill everyone all at once sometimes too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, a card I have in my. Um, my token deck is called devout invocation mm-hmm. and what it does is you tap uh any amount of your creatures that you control and for each creature you tap you put into play a four four angel token with flying oh my so gosh it's really <laughs> it's a really flavorful card because it's like they all kneel and pray and then yeah. for each one of them an angel comes and fights for them so well they're they're summoning six so they're like hey we're almost yeah, there yeah exactly that's the thing that white has a problem with you know that's Getting why hasty. a lot of times you want to add red is to just give yourself your stuff haste. Yeah. You know, that's what makes a token deck like incredibly powerful is because there's a lot of ways to just in EDH in this format to, to make like a hundred guys on one turn. Yeah. But if you can't swing with them right away, sometimes it's just like, okay, then you pass turn and somebody goes, uh, board wipe, you know? So it's either giving all your guys indestructible, you know, soul of new Phyrexia is a good way to do it. Avicen, obviously. Yeah, Avicen's definitely an auto-include. Yeah, because you, you need it to make it one rotation of the table. So I think that's those are going to be the sort of two, maybe three big things just you're going to run into in mono-white is like card draw, ramp, and then, you know, you need to sort of give your guys haste or make it so that they can live through a board wipe. Yeah, and anything that grants indestructible is important. Um, one more card I'll mention is uh, Cathar's Crusade, which oh, I yeah. think is just sort of the... This, this, the staple for this kind of deck, which is whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. And it's it's stacked, so if you put 12 tokens in it, yeah. I mean, it, it's nuts. It's kind of like um, a one-sided coat of arms. Yeah. Coat yeah, of exactly. arms another card you coat probably of arms, got of in course. there. Yeah, oh, but, yeah, definitely. But Cather's Crusade doesn't actually make everybody else stuff bigger, which coat of arms can do. Right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of fun. And of course, you can just mass calcify too if things get too too wild <laughs> yeah you can just you're mono white so you're take advantage white. of it play yeah, the stuff that advantage. only affects white creatures or only doesn't affect white creatures yeah, yeah. for sure so that's my mono white soldiers deck um i could see it being really fun and cheap to build uh and also very easily hated out if if not sort of dealt carefully at the table i think the good thing about you building this deck now i'm not saying you're, you're going to you're just thinking <laughs> about it is that you know the monocolored uh pre-con decks are going to come out pretty soon and you know, this is going to slot into, you know, you're going to get some stuff there. You might be able to combine it with what, with yeah, what the definitely. pre-con deck is. I mean, because, you know, once you get to a certain level, you're not just taking the pre-con and playing it straight out of the package. Yeah. You're always going to mess with it. So this is a good way to sort of, I don't know, pre-mess with it. Hopefully there will also be, like, a really sweet Planeswalker that I can choose as my commander instead oh, of Elish Norn. yeah. Although Elish Norn is awesome. I but, mean, yeah, Elish Norn is the best. But if you can use the white Planeswalker as commander, that'll be sick. Yeah, definitely. All right, my turn. Yeah. Hit it. So my deck is a Vigilance Matters, and then as I was thinking about it, it sort of turned into a little bit of a Stasis deck. Stasis deck. So what do you mean by Stasis? Oh, Stasis is a card. Uh, it's an old card, and it's one in a blue. It's an enchantment, and it says that players skip their untap step. Uh-huh. But there's a catch. It has an upkeep of one blue mana. Or you just destroy the. Or you stasis. destroy the stasis. So it's got some of that iconic art too. I'm looking at the art now. It's like <laughs> it's like Picasso or something drew it. The art is so bad from the early yeah, days. Of magic. Yeah, it does look like a child drew it. <laughs> yeah. It's unbalanced. It's wonky. So stasis is one of those cards that there's a lot of ways to break it mm-hmm. um, because it, it it sort of destroys a fundamental part of the game, which is like untapping your yeah. stuff. And what you do is you you can make it so that. Nobody under untaps their stuff ever. So stasis, the way that's sort of supposed to be kept in check is that you have to pay the upkeep. You have to pay one blue mana. So, you know, since you're not untapping your stuff, in theory, eventually you just can't keep it out there. You play it out, and every turn you pay one mana for it, but your mana's not untapping, so eventually it just has to go away. Yeah. But over the course of, you know, Magic's been around for a long time now. There's been a lot of cards created so that you can keep stasis up indefinitely. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of combo pieces... Um, 
So there's something like Eon Hub, which just makes players skip their upkeep. Oh my gosh. So if you just have that out, then you don't have to pay the pay upkeep cost because ever, yeah. you don't have an upkeep. And then, so what happens is nobody has an upkeep and nobody has an untap. So everyone's just drawing cards and their stuff is not untapping. Now, this is a deck based on an enchantment. This is such a Josh deck. Yeah, because it's like lockdown and the well. Weirdest. Let me talk about. <laughs> let me talk about uh, why I sort of thought of this, and it yeah. was because uh, of a commander. So it's not a hundred percent like I'm making a deck based on enchantment. It's just it's based on a commander, and the stasis mm-hmm. just works really well. So the commander is uh, Derivi. 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 Derivative. <laughs> Derivative. Derivi, Derivi, Imperial Tactician. Uh, it's a three, two, three flyer. Costs one and Bant. Bant is green, white, blue. Actually, he just costs Bant, but his he essentially costs one and oh, Bant, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Just Bant. The special ability is you can pay one and Bant and put Derivi into play from the command zone. So He never costs more than that. Yeah, he never, no matter how many times he's died, he never costs more than one and Bant. Yeah. And then the other ability is when... Derivi enters the battlefield, or a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you may tap or untap target permanent. Oh, okay. I can see this working now well with stasis. I see where you're going. Exactly. So what you can do is, even if you only have one blue mana, one island, mm-hmm. you play stasis, um, if Derivi's out and you can attack, then you hit somebody and you can tap or untap your island. Uh-huh. And you can do that every turn, and nobody else has an untap step. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of lock the table. Right. It's not a nice deck. No. Yeah. This is not a. Um, this is like the Gaddock Teague deck or something. This is. Right. This but is it's a, finding a really interesting way of going about it that's not necessarily tied to the commander. There's a couple of other cards that make it really tick. Yeah. I mean, and then so what I wanted to do was, yeah, I'm looking at stasis, and there's other cards that sort of simulate a stasis effect. There's mm-hmm. something like Meekstone. Meekstone just says that. Right. It's an artifact that just says that um, creatures with power greater than two don't untap three three with three or greater right yeah and it's yeah. a one drop so greater than two sorry yeah. i read it wrong i mean I'm it's not actually i think it. that's one of those weird wording things where i don't know if wizards ever has decided whether they should just say greater than or equal to or greater than and yeah i think it's changed over the years yeah, i think it's it used definitely to say creatures with power greater than two don't untap anyway mm-hmm. so if you have three or greater you don't untap there's um something like the static orb Static Orb is a three-drop artifact. Players cannot untap more than two permanents during their untap phases. So it's like a stasis that's a little bit more fair. Right. You know, it just... It keeps well, you, you play from... that, people are like, oh, all right, fine. And then you play stasis, and they're like, oh, that's what you're going for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the stuff in your deck is going to be based on Derivi or Derivi, and, and so you're going to be untapping more stuff than them. And the great thing about Static Orb is that first part. If Static Orb is untapped... Right. So with other effects you could you technically could, yeah you could tap down your static orb before your untap step so mm-hmm. that you untap all your stuff and that untap static org orb so anyway so Eesh, he, that's crazy yeah there's stuff like uh winter orb is not on here but it only lets you uh untap a certain amount of permanence it says players cannot untap more than one land during, during their, their untap, untap phases. phase yeah so it just locks everybody down right mm-hmm. so that's the first part of the deck and the second part is to play stuff like kismet Blind Obedience, Imposing Sovereign, right. all, all three of those cards basically say that when, you're, when your opponents play stuff, it comes into play tap. Yeah, artifacts and creatures specifically. Yeah, so that's an old... Kismet and Stasis is an old lock, and they've printed a lot of cards sort of similar to those cards since. Yeah, like Imposing Sovereign and yeah. Blind Obedience was in Gate Crash, so like it's all... Yeah, definitely. So what that does is like now it's like if Stasis is out and you have a kismet out or a blind obedience mm-hmm. they can't even play stuff to get out of it because if they play something it comes into play tapped and then it doesn't untap then they're just stuck there yeah yeah so but you're, you're... jeez this is this is awful <laughs> i'm please tell me you're only think, in the dreaming stages of building this i think and not... d's already getting bad at me yeah, just for no. talking about it i i'm almost getting mad at you for talking about <laughs> it because i can imagine all the pieces coming together and being like oh i wish i had more removal for everything on josh's table <laughs> So there's two more there's two more things or, or really one more major thing and and the last thing is just creatures with vigilance right because they get around the tap on tap thing because they don't tap or untap yep and so you need your creatures to be connecting with the opponent because that allows you to tap or untap things because we'll recall that Derivi's um, text says when Derivi enters the battlefield or a creature you control deals combat damage to a player 
right. you may tap or untap target permanent. So every time one of your creatures hits somebody, you can untap your lands. Right. And if everyone's coming in play tapped, you're pretty much guaranteed to have your guys always hitting someone. Exactly. Especially if you have multiple creatures doing it. Like with, with Bremas attacking, that's two and guys then, to untap Yeah, right and there. then the next turn is three, and the next turn is four. And because players can't untap their stuff, Interesting. they're not able to do anything on their turn. So it's like you do it, and then do you, you say go. They, they can't do anything. They can maybe play a land. And right. Then, and then it's your turn again, and before you know it, you're just you. You are allowed to do everything in your deck, but they can't do anything in theirs. Do you want to combine our my deck and your deck and make it a token deck so that you always have tons of guys that can untap your lands? <laughs> it, yeah, that might work. <laughs> yeah, just swing with twelve guys. And yeah, that's the thing. You don't need a lot of things to kill everybody. You can right. oftentimes do it with like one Sarah Angel because you just go, I attack you for four, untap my thing, go. They they can't untap everything right, they play right. comes into play tapped. Then it's your turn. I hit you for four again. Go. I hit you for four again. And yeah. you just do that because there's no way out of it. Right. So how many cards realistically do you need to have out that have these uh, effects, these universal board things come to play tapped? Like you really, you really just need one. You have to. So you put in the tutors, enlightened mm-hmm. tutor, idyllic tutor. You know the stuff that lets you go find enchantments. Yeah. And then you know, really, you can get it started even with just stasis and your commander. Wow. Because with just stasis in your commander, if no, if somebody has not a flyer, mm-hmm. you can just keep stasis up forever that way. Not forever. You're hitting them for two every turn, but that's 20 right. turns. You're going to get 20 draw steps. Yeah, you're going to have a lot more gas. Yeah, exactly. So so that's how you built in card draw to this deck is just lock everyone else down so you get more draw steps. Yeah, exactly. Because they can't it's, really use theirs. Exactly. So it's a mean deck, but... Um, Anyway, that's a starting off point. I'm sorry, Jimmy, when if I ever build it. You know, I I will be very happy to see it built because I think I don't think I've seen a deck like this before. I yeah, think it's the, got this very special, I don't know. It's got a, it's got a thing going for it. <laughs> I'll bring it up I'll bring it out against like Kessler yeah. or somebody who's like more spicy. It'll be like my Joyra deck. I I won't play <laughs> it that often. You play it to see how effective it is, and then once is enough with this kind of deck, I feel like. You, yeah, you it's like, like, you know, if I've lost three or four in a row, or like, oh, yeah. you know why I wanted to build this deck, actually? Blood Moon. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, screw you guys are all playing Blood Moon. I'm yeah. going to do something that you really won't like, too. There you go. <laughs> and well, except this is like 99 cards built to make you not like it. Blood Moon's just one or whatever. That Blood Moon makes me like not like it the same amount that this deck will Yeah, like. exactly. I mean, it does the same thing to all my decks that this whole I don't deck know, Josh. Maybe you should just start running more basic lands. Screw that. <laughs> well, the person that, that still Speaking powers on through. Speaking of running more basic lands, let's talk about your next idea. Oh, yeah. There's going to be lots of land in this one. There Probably won't be a not, single basic yeah, in this no, deck. Yeah, I, no. I think any You're going to know lands. my pain about Blood Moon when you build this deck. Absolutely. This deck is my, uh, I call it my five-color cascade deck. Originally, I wanted to make this deck uh, with like Maelstrom Wanderer, uh, mm-hmm. and I'll just I'll, I'll read Maelstrom Wanderer because he is a commander staple and also uh, sort of explains Cascade very well. So the idea is Cascade. Maelstrom Wanderer is a seven five for eight mana. He's a ton of mana, whatever. Uh, the main thing is he has Cascade, comma Cascade on him. Um, but I'll just read what Cascade does. When you cast this spell, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non land card that costs less. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. Put the exiled cards on the bottom in a random order, then do it again. So Maelstrom Wanderer gets to Cascade twice, which is why it's so awesome, because you get to put essentially two cards that are seven mana or less uh, converted mana cost into play. It's broken. Yeah. Uh, The thing is, you know, it takes a lot of time to get up to that eight mana. And so I was looking at this, and I was like, you know what? I think this would be a lot more fun if you could do it. Josh style in five colors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I there's, like it. So there's a lot more fun commanders you can do. Um, I think Child of Alara was my final choice of who might be a fun oh, commander really? for this. Yeah, just because it's got, it's, it's got the fact that you can just control the board with him in a way. Child of Alara, you want to read? Yeah, it's, he's a Wooburg, so he's one of each color. He's a 6-6 six, six legendary creature with Trample. Um, on the art, it looks like a giant baby erupting from the sand. I don't know what's <laughs> happening there. There's a giant baby. Under, it's a giant baby. When child, when child, ninety nine percent sure that's what it is. Yeah. Now that I look at it more, it's very disturbing. Um, when child of Alara is put into a graveyard from play, destroy all non land permanents. They can't be regenerated. It's pretty good because it's a board wipe on a stick. Yeah, it's a board wipe on the stick. Uh, I believe the rules go: he hits the graveyard and then you get exiled as a commander. That's what happens. They die. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you can still put him in the command zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Child of Lara, just because he has the five colors, I often really don't see him being cast too often unless things are going really poorly. I mean, that or I play Sliver, Hive Lord, or Chromat. Just Progenitus. Yeah, Progenitus is the other one. Yeah, I mean, I like Child of Lara because um, it's castable and it has a big effect on the game. Yeah, it so has a huge effect. People won't want to attack you if you can block, if they don't want the whole world blown up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's good, but Child of Lara is going to function like Chromat does in my other deck, where it's just allowing you to play those colors, and once in a while you might cast them. Yeah, exactly. Once when you when you need to. Um, so the idea with this deck is just to to sequence, you know, really well, and I think this is going to take a lot of time to really make correctly, right? Um, because you know you have a lot of different Cascade cards, like Maelstrom Wanderer is a guy that costs eight. Um, um, we should say Cascade is like one of the more broken mechanics ever created. Yeah, it allows you to cheat out huge stuff. Yeah, and, um, and like we've said many times, like cheating mana cost of stuff is yeah. like super broken. Also, you can build your deck at certain points where like people build their deck so that, you know, the way Cascade works is it can only hit certain mana points. Mm-hmm. So you can build your deck so like there's nothing above this or above whatever. this cost or under this cost and so you always know you're going to find one of two cards or the, or the exact yeah card exactly that you need because it'll just keep looking through the deck until it finds something that that sits at that mana cost yeah and so that's one of the ways that cascade can really be broken is it can just you know allow you to find something 100 percent of the time mm-hmm. and at the also the other idea with this deck is that you have access to all the colors so your cascades essentially can be uh you know, you can bounce stuff back to your hands with mm-hmm. these colors. You can play stuff again. But more importantly, you can also manipulate the top of your deck. So you right. can, with a Mind's, not Mind's Eye, with a uh, scroll rack, yep. put something like Violent Ultimatum at the top, which is a. Uh, oh, mean. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a seven costed uh, sorcery that's two black, three red, and two green. And so it's seven costed, you can get it with uh, Mills from Wanderer. Wanderer. Yeah. And you can destroy three target permanents when you cast it. So, I mean. It's a mean deck because it wants to play stuff, be like, all right, sweet, I'm going to throw this on top of my deck. I know exactly what I'm going to cascade into. With Maelstrom Wanderer, you could put two cards on top, which is just brutal. I don't think it's mean because it's not actually like locking other people out from doing right. what they want to do. It's just doing powerful stuff, but that's okay. That doesn't make it mean. Right, right. Thanks. Yeah, I think make me feel a little better. Uh, and the other thing is uh, I also want this deck to function without Cascade, essentially. So... Uh, so you have cards like Maelstrom Nexus, which get, makes the first spell you cast every turn have Cascade. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, because even if you cast just a normal card, it, yeah. it works as if it has Cascade. That's, yeah. that's broken. Yeah, and really... The, everything you cast is just going to make mm-hmm. two or three other things happen. Really, the combo you want to do is have something that can help stack the top of your deck, like Jace or uh, Scroll Rack, and then have something like Maelstrom Nexus out, and just be like, all right, cool, I can sequence this into this and this into this. And right. Always just get maximum value and you know, hopefully draw a lot of cards in the meantime. I want Well, and, and the good thing about Cascade is even if you don't sequence it, mm-hmm. you still get something. You, you right. know, it's like it still cascades into something. Yeah. Like you're always you haven't you're set up gr- like the best thing ever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're just getting free something else. It, you might not even know what it is, but yeah. you're gonna get something. I also like the idea that you can just sometimes just roll a dice and hit something yeah. insane. Yeah. You know? Um I I want to put Joyra in this deck as well because I feel like she has the same ability kind of where you're she cheating. Cheats she out. cheats big yeah. stuff out. So if you don't get your main plan going, you can always just Joyra out some other spells that you know. Let's say you don't have a something that can uh, stack the top of your deck with your cascades, you can just use Joyra instead. Yeah, um, totally. Uh, Legacy Weapon is a card they want to put in there because now I'm seeing all these awesome cards that that want all five colors of your mana. Yeah, this is like a Wooberg deck. With yeah, it's Wooberg with right? Cascade. Yeah, so yeah, Legacy, Legacy Weapon is pretty sweet. Yeah, it also is uh, can be brought out with uh, Maelstrom Wanderer. It's a seven drop artifact, and for Wooberg, you can just tap Wooberg and remove target permanent from the game, which is pretty sweet. And the, the best thing is if it's if it's I mean put, it's target permanent. Target so permanent. Yeah. You can lands anything yeah. you want. Um and the great thing is is if it's put into a graveyard, you just put it into your library instead. So you Yeah, can, they can't get rid of the legacy yeah. weapon. <laughs> you can cascade it again if you you know, if you are able to find a way to get it back. There's another one you on here you have on here called Fist of Suns. Oh yeah. And it says you may pay Wooberg rather than pay the mana cost for spells that you play. Yeah. So this That's is That's crazy. It makes all your spells cost 5 yep. basically instead of whatever they would cost. Yeah. So you could be just, you It know. also looks like the Thanos's like power gauntlet or whatever thing. Oh yeah, the uh gaunt not the gauntlet of the galaxy. That's a terrible mashup of two names. It's got, you know, the five like crit destiny crystals yeah, or whatever on yeah. it. So it's it's really great because it doesn't affect the actual uh text of cascade so you can play maelstrom wanderer for five 
and it's still because it says how much the card costs. Yeah, it doesn't care what you paid for it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't yeah. care what you paid for it. It's, you still get to get the full cascade benefit. So there are a lot of like fat creatures in here that this card just lets you cheat out. Can we just call this the Thanos deck from now on? Yeah. Sweet. Actually, uh, man, hopefully there is a the card similar to Thanos that like news has. I think Progenitus is pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, and there's also All Suns Dawn. <laughs> oh yeah this is a cool card four and a green sorcery for each color return up to one target card of that color from your graveyard to your hand so you just hi i'm gonna get five cards out of my five graveyard. cards on my graveyard yeah. yeah almost guaranteed you're gonna get five cards then you put regrowth in and you regrow the uh, all sun's dawn oh no it gets just... exiled unfortunately oh, it does. yeah don't do that don't cheat. yeah don't cheat guys don't cheat don't cheat although i'm sure there are some cards that are like that affect the exiled cards i know there are a couple that help bring them back or something there's something crazy out there in the universe there are crazy things in the universe, like Thanos. Like Thanos, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So this deck is it's. I think it's a a Johnny deck that can be turned very spiky depending on how you build it and whether or not you're one of those guys that's like I'm going to cast this spell and I only have one spell in here that can be affected by it. So I'm gonna, so I'm essentially just turn my library upside down, find that spell, shuffle it, and then put the rest underneath because it's the only thing that gets cast or whatever. But who knows if I go that route? It seems super fun. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I kind of just want to. And the thing the about five color decks is, is like you could just put anything in there that you think of. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about like does is it in the colors that I want or whatever. You yeah. could just be like, this card's awesome. I'm putting it in there. I'm putting it in there. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. That's definitely the uh, the goal. Um, I can finally use all those lands that I don't have I either have extras of or just don't know what to do with otherwise. Right. Well, this is a great time because you get all the shard lands, all the wedge lands. You mm-hmm. know. You can put those all in there, and it's a lot easier to make a five-color commander yeah, exactly. than it was before cons came out. Yeah, definitely. So. Yep, so that's my five-color Cascade deck. Sweet. Every flavor of the rainbow. Every flavor of the rainbow. It's magically delicious. It is magically delicious. Okay, so my next deck. The final deck of the night. The final deck of the evening. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, what was our tune for the deck? I already forgot. It's for the commander, right? Crap, yeah. That's not what it was. The commander that comes out is like, hold on, that's my theme. I don't know about that. I was promised a theme. This is Yeah. Okay. So it this is a chaos deck. I've always wanted to build a chaos deck. I know this is a thing. A lot of people have these. I just never never built one, and it seems like it would be just like this a is great. ton of fun. This is the exact opposite of your other deck, I think. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's about locking the board down. This is about blowing the world up. Maybe that's why, because I felt guilty about even thinking about that other deck that I'm definitely going to build and make everybody mad. So then <laughs> I thought, well, after I do that, I'm going to need a fun deck to go to. And this, I think this is going to be this one. So the Chaos deck is going to be all the crazy chaotic cards from Magic's history. Nice. Um, and looking for a commander for it because I, you know, in my normal fashion, I was actually building the deck before I even knew what commander I wanted. But I, but I found the perfect one. Ooh, and he's a commander pre-built too. Yeah, it's Ruhan of the Fomori. He's a legendary creature, giant warrior. He costs one and Jeskai. Ooh, that's red, white, and blue. Nice. He's a seven-seven. It says at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose an opponent at random. Ruhan of the Fomori attacks that player this combat, if able. <laughs> this is normally a card that I would hate, but in this deck, it just seemed too on point not to right. use. Right. I was going to say, this is as chaotic as it could get. Roll the dice. And it's kind of funny because when we're when we play in group games, it very often, that's what it comes down to. Um, yeah, well, sometimes we actually do just roll dice. Yeah, right? be like, all right, you're one through two, you're three, four, and you're five, six, and you roll the dice, and whatever happens, happens. Um, but you'll- Ruhan forces you to do that. Yeah, you'll notice I actually very rarely do the dice thing. So I, maybe I've been jealous of you guys doing it. Yeah. Well, you usually just choose the right person to attack, which is... Or choose not to attack. Not to, yeah. <laughs> it's one or the other. Which boggles people like Glenn and Marshall. Why wouldn't you attack? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Well, I like Marshall's thing, which is kind of similar to mine, which is sometimes you just want to be like, you dude, you and me, we're going at it. And whoever ends up on top... We'll find out. It doesn't matter because you're doesn't both going to lose. <laughs> yeah, because someone else is just going to pick I you up. I love off. that strategy. You guys go for it. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> so you know, some of the cards that, uh, just the chaotic cards that I was looking at that just seem, see, I think the point of this deck is actually not to build in a, a, an actual win condition. Mm-hmm. It's to like every game try and figure out how you can win it. Because I'm going to put in cards That's like. That's fun. Yeah, I'm going to put in cards like Confusion in the Ranks. Oh, God. <laughs> so it's an enchantment. It costs three and two red. It says, whenever an artifact, creature, or enchantment enters the battlefield, this is anybody, not just mm-hmm. you, 
Its controller chooses a target permanent another player controls that shares a card type with it. Exchange control of those permanents. So if you play a creature... Oh, my gosh. So anybody plays a creature, they look across the table and go, well, I'll take that one, and you get the one I just played. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's kind of funny because if done right, that could be your win condition. Yeah, exactly. You know, you if you have, like, a haste enabler, be like, let me take your Crater Hoof Behemoth, or let me grab this for you, whatever, and I'm just going to go nuts. Exactly. And I think part of the point of the deck would be to just put, besides the Chaos cards, to put, uh-huh. like, really crappy, like... The worst creature like you can imagine because you know when you, you're going to be giving it to other people right, and right. Cha- trading it with them. You so. could build a whole deck around confusion in the ranks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, another one I like is called Psychic Battle. It's three and two blue, another enchantment. It says, whenever a player chooses one or more targets, each player reveals the top card of his or her library. The player who reveals the card <laughs> with the highest converted mana cost may change the target or targets. Are we playing Calvin Ball here? What's yeah. happening? <laughs> That's exactly what it seems like. Yeah. If two cards uh, are tied for the highest cost, the targets remain unchanged. So, wow. <laughs> so, like, it's let's just say somebody goes lightning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna path to exile that right. creature. Well, they say I'm gonna path to exile that creature, and then you go, hold on, everybody, flip up their top card. <laughs> Whichever person has the highest converted mana cost actually gets to target the Path of Exile somewhere else. If they oh, want my to. gosh. Yeah. So it just makes it so every time you cast a spell, you have no idea what it's going to do. You know, it I'm, can kill your own creature. Yeah, if you play that and I'm playing my Cascade deck, I'm just going to throw the most expensive thing I have on top and always win that battle. <laughs> it's true. That's it's amazing. Tr- yeah, it's true. Like Something like Hell of a... Right, they can sack the top of in general deck. make that really, t- really powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. Um... Another one I like is called Thieves Auction. This one's insane. It's four colorless and three red. It says exile all non-token permanents. That's lands too. All non-token permanents. Starting with you, each player chooses one of the exiled cards and puts it onto the battlefield tapped under his or her control. Repeat this process until all cards are exiled this way. So basically you put all the permanents into the middle and then you go around in a circle playground style and you just draft them. So you're like, (laughs) I want that, I want that. I want that. You don't even have to take lands and everything. This is the ultimate red card. This is it. <laughs> the art on it's pretty fabulous too. This like this this artisan or this this noble wealthy court man is getting his clothes taken yeah, off. He's just getting he's like, wait, no. He's literally getting the clothes taken off his back. Um what do you think of Warp World? Yeah, Warp World's another really good one you want to read. This is Craig's least favorite card of all time. Craig will hate this deck. Yeah, then. it's five and three uh three red sorcery. Each player shuffles all permanents he or she owns into his or her library, then reveals that many cards from the top of his or her library. Each player puts all artifact, creature, and land cards revealed this way into play, then puts all enchantment cards revealed this way, and puts all cards revealed this way that, uh, and then puts all cards revealed this way that weren't put into play in the bottom of his or her library in any order. So basically, you only put permanents into play. Yeah, uh, and not uh, planeswalkers specifically. Right, right. Um, so it's just like, hey, everyone, you got. 20 things out shuffle it up <laughs> see what Reveal you get the top 20 cards yeah <laughs> gonna warp awesome. this world around it's pretty awesome yeah um, especially but I, I feel like that'd be so much fun in commander though if, if you like really had a significant board state and just be like all right warp world and at that point it's anyone's game because someone could literally put out an infinite combo you yeah know? you don't even know like especially if they have a lot of stuff yeah um another card i really like is uh hive mind Ooh. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, each other player copies that spell. Each of those players may choose new targets for the copy. <laughs> so if somebody plays a Path to Exile, you everybody just... gets the next Path to Exile something. <laughs> it really does wonders with counter spells. Right. If somebody goes, I'm going to play this, everybody copies it. Then somebody goes, I'm going to counter it. Everybody copies the counter. Oh, like, my god! It'll gosh. go crazy. It'll go crazy. I feel like this is a rules nightmare because you'll sit around being like, all right, what, what is the stack? And what's on it? <laughs> How does the stack even work at this point? I hope that it'll just keep those mono blue counterspell decks like just like oh forget it. I'm not even gonna play my counterspell. Right. They try and headache. counter everyone's like, we counter your counter. Yeah, I use my counter counter your counter. <laughs> oh, yeah, I use mine to counter yours. Oh yeah. Uh, when the I feel like this deck should be deck should be called When the Dust Settles. <laughs> um you should play all his dust in there too, if you're gonna be heavy on board wipes and stuff. Yeah, I don't know if I will because you want stuff to be out. Right. So that you can do all the crazy shenanigans. So you can play Warp World? Yeah, because it sucks if you play Warp World and there's like no creatures out there, right? Yeah. It's that's so true. much cooler if there's like a thousand things out. If everyone has a thousand things out. Yeah. So um, anyway, I think you guys get the get the idea. Like, I think the fun way to build the deck is literally like 
it doesn't have any specific it's not like i'm right. gonna get an insurrection i'm gonna win or i'm mm-hmm. gonna get this combo and win it's just like i don't know i'm just gonna exchange permanence with everybody and i'm gonna try and like at the end of that like hopefully pull out the win yeah yeah because that's chaos right that is chaos um it, i can't hate this deck that much because it is strong and red and red is that chaotic element um and i just think it's hilarious uh, i think a card that you should think about putting in is goblin assassin Oh yeah, that's the one we talked about with James. Where Bianca, you just right? flip a coin and each it, you have to sacrifice a creature every time he or another goblin comes in. You kind of have to build around him. Um, no, no, you could just throw him in there because it's a chaos deck. Just you don't right. have to build around. So actually, the coin flippy cards. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think it needs a lot of coin flippy cards. Just pure chance. Yeah, you should just be like flipping coins. Just be like, I don't know. Here we go. Yeah. Flip a coin. Let's see yeah. what happens. Like really? I think that's the spirit of the deck. Is like a lot of it is just like not like oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to take this thing, and it's like, nope, I'm just going to play this card. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I like it. I think it's really funny. Um, I think it. I think it's it's kind of the thing that breaks a meta a little bit because no one can really plan for it, right? Like, what deck do you choose against this right. deck? Because you're not going to be like, all right, Mono Blue going to counter everything. Then you just get the one thing out that's like, nothing matters. <laughs> nothing <laughs> matters. <laughs> Reality is non-existent. <laughs> like, we all just become nihilist by the end of it. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, just having this deck exist and the possibility of it coming out within your playgroup will yeah. probably warp it in a weird way. Where And also might just take some of the seriousness out of, yeah. uh, out of it. Like, people ask us, too, like, there's a lot of... Oh, there's two sides to the same question, which is like, I want to play a mean deck. How do I make my friends like it? Or mm-hmm. my friends are playing a mean deck. How do I tell them not to play that? Like right. a deck like this might help like bring things sort of towards the middle a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just break it up a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I I could see this being a lot of fun. I could see all these decks being a lot of fun actually, and I think that this strikes a nice balance too because at, at a certain point, because you now you have four commander decks. No, I have like nine. You have nine? I haven't even seen half of them. Yeah, I know. What? I sort of build them, and then, you know, once in a while we play them. <laughs> I don't know. I played a Joyer deck once. By the way, that was enough. Good <laughs> times to play against it's that undefeated. deck. It's undefeated. I've only played it about four times. Now. Yeah, you may as well just retire it and, and <laughs> put it into the Pantheon of undefeated deck. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so I'm, I'm glad you came up with this deck. I've, I've always wanted this. The Chaos deck has always had sort of like a, a, a part of me as well, because that's why when I first made my Jaleva deck, uh, it kind of had that chaotic element right. where it's like you get to put the biggest, weirdest, meanest spells in here, um, or just the wackiest ones. Uh, when my when I made my mono red Kiki Jiki deck, I put ca- a warp world in there, and Craig balked at me. Craig will hate this deck then. He was he was in uh, aghast that I would put such a crazy card in there. I was like, but why not? It's fun. It's fun. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that those are our four deck brews. Woohoo! I actually have a couple more. I'll save them for later. Okay, cool. You know, as I was doing this, I was like, ah, oh, crap, here we go. I'm going to have to, like, go online now and yeah. order up a whole bunch of cards. And then I kept coming across <laughs> other cards where I'm like, well, that won't work in this deck, but, but I, there's a whole yeah. other deck now that I want to build. <laughs> yeah, so thanks a lot, everybody. Yeah. Uh, this is the spirit of Commander, though, um, where it's find an idea, find a cool idea, either a cool Commander or a color combination or just an idea, and then find the way to build it. And that's the thing. Like, Magic is this gigantic toolbox of equipment. And there are some staples that you'll have in every deck, um, but there are also so many ways that that varies that you could just go nuts doing other stuff. Hey, and you know, the great thing I just thought of is we have all these listeners, Mm -hmm. and we've just laid out, like, very basically, like, the direction we're thinking of going. And you guys have listened. So, yeah, hopefully you have some ideas to help us out, help build these decks, Uh help flesh them out. So um, I'm going to put everybody to work. Like, yeah, let's go to the comment section at Rocket Jump. And, you know, if for any of the ideas that we've just talked about, if you have some ideas for cards that might fit in there uh, that might work work really well, you know, let us know because, yeah. you know, we're going to be building these decks. So And giving away stuff. Oh, we can always give away prizes. Woo! So it's not like we're just putting you to work for nothing. All right. So we've listed out four decks. Let us know what cards you think might be great in one of these decks that we didn't mention. Um and that we we'll, did mention. We did mention, yeah. And you know, oh, we'll, one of the cards we didn't mention. Yeah, one of the cards, yeah. And so we'll uh, we'll we'll choose the, uh, I guess. Yeah, could... no fair, just repeating cards we already talked about. <laughs> you guys should put uh, Joyra in the Joyra deck. <laughs> Bingo, winner. Uh, yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll choose some winners from that. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll actually choose winners based on something that surprises us. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. If t- 
We'll take yeah, the randomness we'll, it'll element be merit out of it. Based. It's yeah. not going to be random like before. We got all kinds of stuff from GPLA. We've got new playmats. Oh, we've yeah. Got, got a couple of Rattleclaw Mystic playmats. Play and of course, RK we've always got one. booster packs and, and the rest of it. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, excellent times. Cool, cool. VGHS, let's talk about that really quick. Oh, yes, that's right. VGHS is out. By the time this episode is out, the third episode will have been released on The third episode was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. A lot. It's Things really do take a turn for the dark side here. Oh, man. Wait until episode four, everybody. <laughs> episode four is... It is... It's a... It's a it's a ride. It's a warp world of an episode. Dude, episode four is like your coming out party, though. Yeah, it is. Uh, Jimmy Wong, the actor, gets to show his merits and act Dude, his you're butt a, off. Dude, you're... I mean, no, like, no joke. All jokes aside, like, you're awesome in that episode. Like, it's, thanks. It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a whirlwind of emotion doing it. I and bet rewatching it and thinking about it, and it's I don't. It's like my brain is still trying to figure out how to process everything that happened. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, that. like, well, I don't want to do any spoilers, but I had a really rough year last year, and it like pretty it, that episode like hit me. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. so. I mean, it's it's great. It's amazing. Like I was, yeah. like, I was like, damn, Jimmy can act. <laughs> I've heard a couple of comments. Uh, and people to are that. already saying it. They haven't even seen episode four. Yeah, yet. no, like, right. Just wait. Yeah, uh, I mean, some people have seen it because you can go on what Vimeo right now. And, yeah, uh, yeah, you can buy the episodes online. If you go to buyvghs.rocketjump.com, we have a few options available there for you guys to check stuff. I mean, out. why wait? Just go. It's not that expensive. Yeah, it's, it's not that bad like at all. Going to a movie and you're gonna get you know even S- yeah, more six value hours of, of value yeah, exactly. instead of two. So totally um, worth it. Yeah, so the third episode is out today. I highly suggest you guys catch up on it if you haven't even seen the series yet. Just start from season three. I mean, you'll be fine. You'll have some questions. And if you really like what you see, then go back and check out the other seasons because they're a blast and there's so much fun stuff. I mean, seasons one and two, they're not like, they're, they're not, it's not like watching a, a full season of a TV series, right? Like 22 episodes. Like, you only have three hours of stuff to watch or so yeah. to catch up to season three. So it's easy to do that. I mm-hmm. mean, like Jimmy said, you can start right at the start of season three, but it's uh, I would recommend starting at season one and yeah. watching the whole thing through. I mean, you will not regret it. The show's, yeah. the show's terrific. And you get to follow the whole story, too. It's a lot of fun, especially because this is the last season. Yee. The final season. The final the season. The epic conclusion. The last chapter. That was some good copy somebody wrote. That was sure good who. some copy. Yeah, you should go into the voiceover business. I you and Marshall the together, business. man. What yeah. am I doing? Jeez, what yeah, are geez. you doing? Uh, uh, also, oh, yeah, yeah we on. have a sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, hosted by Alex Kessler and Glenn Jones. It's a great look into the modern format if you guys are looking into that, essentially. Um, it's also just sort of about competitive magic uh, yeah. in general. Um, Jimmy and I have sort of, we went and played in the GP last uh, weekend, and we're just sort of like dipping our toe in the water of you know some competitive stuff, mostly just uh, because Alex and Glenn are talking about it a lot. Yeah. And we're involved with that podcast, too. So you know it's fun for us to sort of experiment with it and man those guys are smart like they know a lot of stuff they're yep. yeah their last few a couple episodes ago they were talking about sideboarding which is yeah. something that like when i played at the gp i was like i have a sideboard i have what no idea the what hell to- am i doing <laughs> i have no idea and yeah. then you know yeah and that episode i was like man i should i wish i knew all that stuff before the gp yep yep yeah, yeah. so they definitely have some sage advice lots of leveling up happening there um and they're just really smart guys they know a lot about the game. They'll talk about some cards that it's always. I really like this part of the magic where you can hear someone talk about a really standard card that's really mm-hmm. powerful, a modern card that's powerful, a legacy card that's powerful, and a commander card that's powerful. And they all have their own different merits. Right. And being able to look at that and being able to decode why a card is good or not, I feel like helps you across all the realms. Yeah, because just from a philosophical standpoint, you can like, oh, that's how we they um, evaluate a card, and I can bring that to my own game and mm-hmm. my own card. And use the same philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely Masters of Modern. Check them out. You won't regret it. Yep, and it's all at, again, rocketjump.com under the podcast section. They post new episodes every Thursday. Awesome. All right. Well, that will about wrap us up for this episode today. Remember, post some comments in Rocket Jump and uh, let us know what you guys might add to these decks. And, yes, uh, please help me build my decks. Yeah, surprise us with some cool choices. Um, and, you know, you could be handsomely rewarded for you your could efforts. win huge prizes huge prizes coming at you to your doorstep wherever you are in the world we'll send it to antarctica if we have to wow you're making a lot of promises there hey i'm shipping it out not you so <laughs> that's true that's... i have to eat my own words here <laughs> that's true that's why i'm not making promises <laughs> yeah exactly we will ship it to the moon in twenty thousand years when that's possible Actually, probably sooner I hope than somebody that, right? from the moon enters. That would be really interesting. That'd be really cool, right? Yeah, I think Someone... that's probably not going to happen, though. <laughs> All right, everybody. See you next time. Au revoir. Peace.
Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.